Great to be back in Proverbs. A week ago tonight, we were out there in the parking lot. Uh, Weather just like tonight. Uh, It remains kind of semi-summer these days, which is nice, but uh, it's great to be out there. It's great to be back in the Word tonight. Uh, I'm going to start reading in Proverbs chapter 8. I'm just going to read... Verses 1 through 5 to start with, and then we'll, uh, we'll go a little further and see how far we get. Starting in verse 1, Does not wisdom cry out, and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on top of the high hill, beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence. And you fools, be of an understanding heart. Let's pray before we get into the word here. Father, we're so grateful to open your word tonight. Uh, We're thankful that you brought us here. We're thankful, Lord, that your word is indeed a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. Uh, We ask, Lord, now that uh, you would just settle our minds from all the things of today and just uh, clear this room of anything that would distract us. Uh, Let us uh, sit at the presence of your feet. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you would teach, that you would instruct, uh, Lord, that you would encourage, that uh, you would strengthen us here this evening uh, for the days in which we live. And, Lord, we do pray uh, for the days ahead. We pray for our country. Uh, We pray for revival here. We pray that uh, you would just uh, open the eyes of the people in this nation, Lord, their first and greatest need uh, to be saved. And, Lord, uh, as we study wisdom, Lord, give us wisdom in how to walk in these days, how to uh, speak, how to interact, how to be a light. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, you notice that uh, chapter 8 starts with, um, you, hear, you have this uh, female uh, disposition, does not wisdom cry out, and understand lift up her voice. And if you think back uh, to uh, previous chapters, uh, you know, even all the way back uh, in uh, the earlier chapters, you know, you have uh, Solomon's both... Uh, you have both the mother and the father's voice uh, speaking to the son. Uh, in the previous chapter, uh, we have the adulterous woman, which, uh, as we talked about in the past, could be uh, certainly real, everyday uh, issues of uh, lust or attraction or seduction. But also you have uh, the picture of the immoral or the apostate church. And so uh, that woman can, can be illustrative in, ver- in chapters 6 and 7. Uh, it certainly illustrates uh, the apostate church and uh, the immoral church and the fact that you have a, a woman that lures people into a false religion, a false sense of security. Uh, you know, Satan doesn't have any signs that say this, well, he does have a few, but most people, uh, most people he appeals to, the signs don't say this way to hell, the signs say this way to heaven, but they're actually uh, deceptive, they're misleading. And so chapter 8 here begins with uh, this woman speaking, wisdom uh, taking the form of a woman, and you could think of that in a couple of different ways. Um, it, this could be a picture uh, of the church. Uh, the church would be speaking the wisdom of God. The church would be uh, representative. The bride of Christ would be speaking words of wisdom. I would hope that, uh, that this church, that uh, when people see us in the community, uh, that they see us speaking words of wisdom. They see us speaking the words of God individually and collectively as a body. Also, uh, just the fact that you, know, you do have uh, the, 
the mother, the father uh, here, you know, speaking to my son, you know, all the way, and you get in the latter uh, chapters of, of Proverbs as well. Um, we have the same thing where the mother's saying to my son. Uh, so you have sometimes the father speaking, sometimes the mother speaking. So uh, certainly a, a mother, a wise, godly mother, would be giving this kind of counsel. Uh, but just sometimes uh, you, we see in the scriptures, um, you know, God. Uh, we know that God is always masculine uh, in nature. You know, he's, all, he's never referred to as she anywhere in the Bible. Not a single place God is always referred to as he or his. Uh, but it, at the same time, God is the one that also created male and female. And you'll see sometimes uh, even Jesus speak in terms that actually show uh, kind of the uh, motherly instinct. Remember he says about Jerusalem, uh, how I long to gather you as a mother hand does. He didn't even say as a rooster does, right? Because roosters don't really do that, do they? But as a mother hen, uh, to gather you under my wings. And so uh, wisdom also here, just a picture of uh, the tenderness uh, of a mother that would actually say, do these things and you'll live. Do these things and you'll prosper. Do these things and uh, you're not going to get hurt. You're not going to go down the wrong path. So at any rate, we'll use the same, uh, we'll use the same terms uh, as we go through this in, in, my, in my slides and outline. Uh, this kind of take that um, wisdom taking the form of a wise woman or wisdom taking the form of a very godly mother or the taking the form of a very uh, godly church, and there's certainly other ways to look at it as well. But uh, if you're taking notes, I've titled our time in the Word tonight, The Height of Wisdom. Um, you know, we talked about in the scriptures that, uh, uh, generally speaking, whenever there is a spirit, whenever people are going the wrong way spiritually, they're usually going where? Down. You know, Jonah went down to Joppa. We talked about this. Samson went down to Timnah. You know, there's a, there's a going down. Um, uh, even uh, even those times of uh, children of Israel had to go down into Egypt. And what happened when they were down in Egypt? Bondage was there. And so you see this uh, again and again through Scripture. Uh, but uh, the Lord wants to take us up, out of the miry clay, up into places uh, where we would soar above. And uh, so we'll look at tonight how the Lord would have us to rise above uh, this world that we live in that is very temporal, uh, that God wants to take us up into heavenly places of growth uh, in our walk with the Lord. And so the first things we want to look at uh, in verses uh, 1 through 3 tonight is what I've titled, uh, Her Position. This one actually is error. There we go. That should advance. Her position, uh, her being wisdom again. Um, the position here, verses does not wisdom cry out, lifting up her voice. She takes her stand, verse 2, on the top of a high hill. And the first thing we want to look at, uh, wisdom being high above. What, what, does, uh, what does that mean to us, being high above? Well, wisdom, true wisdom, there's a lot of, t- a lot of times people will throw the term wisdom around. Oh, that's a really wise person. And they could be someone that's lost. They could be successful. Uh, they could be uh, admired, but that doesn't mean that they have godly wisdom, right? You know, some of the founding fathers, uh, uh, you know, a guy who actually has a lot of quotable things, and they're really, really ingenious things. Take a guy like Benjamin Franklin. Would you guys agree that very accomplished, brilliant mind, 
brilliant man. Uh, but you know that uh, George Whitfield tried for years to lead him to Christ, and Benjamin uh, Franklin wouldn't come to Christ. He didn't think he needed salvation. Smart guy, very accomplished, wrote a lot of things that uh, even to this day still stand the, stand the test of time. Uh, brilliant individual, uh, but that's not wisdom, right? Intellectual. Uh, some people might have what other people would call common sense, although what I would argue that common sense isn't so common, right? But people you know, would, would appear to have a lot of common sense. But none of those things are actually wisdom. Wisdom comes down from above. It comes uh, from God the Father. It's heavenly uh, in origin. And wisdom also, uh, it doesn't mean that uh, just because you get older, you automatically will get wiser. Those of you that are older, maybe you can attest to this, right? H.L. Uh, Mencken said this. He said, the older I grow, the more I distrust the familiar doctrine that age brings wisdom. Or he distrusts that doctrine. You know, we have two presidential candidates right now that are 69 and 70. Would any of you think, wow, those are the two wisest people I've ever seen because of all of their many years on this earth? Now, some of you say, well, if you, I have a grandmother who's 98. She would say, well, 69 and 70 is not so old. But again, I, I'm 47, so to me it does, you know, it, it got uh, 20-some years on me. So it depends. I guess it's relative, but still, I mean, compared to someone who's fresh out of college uh, that's 22, 23 years of age, compared to two people that are 69 and 70, if, if age alone brought wisdom, then we should see a lot of different things, shouldn't we? Both the, by the way, I'm, both the presidential candidates, really, really smart intellectual people. I, I would say there's no question about that. Wharton School of Business for Donald Trump. Yale Law School for Hillary Clinton. You know, this isn't uh, politics. I'm just saying, don't hate either of them. Pray for them. Don't hate either of them. Seriously, pray for them. One of them was going to be our president. Well, we don't know how for how long. But anyway, I don't know how things will play out. But pray for them. I, I don't hate either one of them. Pray for them both. But intellectual capacity, whether it's Benjamin Franklin or the current candidate, that doesn't mean wisdom. Age doesn't mean wisdom. You can be 100 and still be opposed to God. You know, just look at the, you know, I'll say one thing. Look at the one last thing. In the past 10 years, again, just age, you've got to pray for these two because some of the dumbest, some of the most selfish, some of the most vulgar, some of the most insensitive, dishonest, and, illegal, and possibly illegal things have been done. This is not wisdom. doesn't come with age. doesn't come with education doesn't come with just kind of, um, you know, just looking at life and figuring out what works and doesn't work. Wisdom comes from right here, right? comes from right here. If, if you and I don't know this, then we're not really going to have wisdom. It's heavenly. It's come down from uh, wisdom stands at the top of a high hill. Wisdom receives. You remember when Moses received the Ten Commandments? Where was he standing? on the top of Mount Sinai, right? It's a picture that he had to go up the Ten Commandments. To live by them is a really wise thing. Wouldn't you agree? I've said before, the whole country lived by the Ten Commandments. We could actually, literally, if the whole country lived by the Ten Commandments, we could, we could get rid of police forces. I could stop paying ADT. Wouldn't that be great? 
Wouldn't you like to stop paying ADT? I mean, wouldn't you like to just say, this would be really nice to not have to buy extra security and you know, deadbolt the doors and do all this thing? Because if everyone walked in those things, we would actually have a much safer place. Well, those Ten Commandments, Moses went up to Mount Sinai, and at a high place, he receives not only the law of God, but also the wisdom of God. It comes from above. Now, it also says here, as we go on, she takes her stand on top of a high hill beside the way where the paths meet. Where the paths meet. What does that mean to us? How about critical decisions in life where paths meet? You ever just really, man, Lord, I need to know. What am I supposed to do? A lot of times, one of the wisest things we can do where paths meet is stop and wait a little while. Stop and pray. Don't rush into things. Wait. Hear from God. Where paths meet. Um, I I know I've mentioned this before. One of the wisest pieces of advice I was given uh, a pastor who I served under and a mentor of mine. We're talking about just decisions to make, and and you know, he gave me this advice, and I give it to other people, and I've, I've felt it's been really valuable to me in my life, that uh, when you have two decisions that you're seriously praying over, and you're looking, by the way, if you want to have answers from God at forks in the road, read the Bible, say, Lord, I'm going to read your word, and I'm going to look for answers, and believe it or not, things will jump off the page right when you need them, and you'll circle them. You'll just kind of know. That's what I'm supposed to do. And you won't have anyone uh, that needs to tell you. You will know. God will give you very clear guidance. So if you're not in the Word, you won't get that kind of answer. You won't get the wisdom uh, that you need. So you have to be in the Word of God and say, Lord, what do I need? Prayer, be in the Word, and you'll get those answers. Uh, but uh, this advice that uh, he gave me, say, hey, if you've got two equal decisions and you keep praying and you can't get an answer, go with the one you want, that you just say, all right, Lord, this is the one that I feel most uh, either gifted for or attracted to. If there's not a clear answer from God, then what happens is he will reroute you anyway. It's the way it works. Another way of... Uh, Kind of when paths meet, um, you know, I believe with, without question, God didn't save any of us to sit on the sidelines. He didn't, create, he didn't save the church to be spectators. We're all supposed to be on the field in some way, shape, or form. He called me to be a pastor, but, you know, those of you that serve in children's ministry, those of you that go to Bonaire, those of you that serve in the nursery or greeting or parking lot or whatever it may be, here and and maybe things that you even do outside the church that are, that are other uh, things that, um, that are for the kingdom of God. God's called everybody to serve in some capacity. Well, one of the things when you have a fort, so, you know, I've had people that say, well, I want to serve, but I don't know where to serve. All right? How about this, this, or this? Well, let me pray for the next 10 years about those three things. Here's a wise thing. Ask the person that asks you which need is greatest. Right? At your workplace, if you want to actually be useful and you actually want to get promoted, when there's a bunch of needs, ask your boss which one's the greatest. Just say, which one has the highest value yield to the organization? They will know which one it is. They'll tell you which one it is, and then you will be wise to say, that's the one I'll work on. It's, it's pretty simple. So at critical paths, we, God gives us 
things that we can literally apply. One, what's the greatest need? Two, did I pray through it? Did I read the word through it? Did God give me a clear direction? If he hasn't given me a clear direction, if all needs are equal, pick the one you like, and God will reroute you anyway. That's happened, to, you know, when we were, uh, you know, we were um, living in Charlotte, and, uh, and I knew that God wanted me to stop. I used to fly out on a Monday, and I'd fly back home on a Thursday, and I knew that I couldn't keep traveling that way. We, yeah, we had had Ireland, and uh, our other daughter was on the way, and so... I said, Lord, wherever you want me to go. And so I thought it was going to be Dallas, Texas. It was this close that I was moving to Dallas, Texas. And the last month, that rug got pulled out. And God rerouted me to Richmond, Virginia. I took a transfer here because I was ready to go to Dallas. I was even excited about going to Dallas. You can get more house for your money in Dallas than actually Richmond, believe it or not. I was ready to go to Dallas. And God says, nope. Just want to see if you're ready to stop traveling, if you're ready to do... What I've asked you to do now, I'll reroute you to Richmond of all places where I'd been from. And uh, little did I know it was to be a pastor here. So God will reroute when these paths meet. Next thing. So wisdom, uh, at the, it, uh, where the paths meet, verse 3, she cries out by the gates at the entry of the city. At the entrance, first things first. Now we know that uh, in the ancient cities, uh, you know, the, the men of the city, those that uh, would give counsel when, when there was cases to be resolved, when there was things to be brought for authorities, those were actually done. Uh, when we were over in Israel, we could see some of, the, some of the cities that actually have like two thrones right up near the gate. Sometimes kings would sit there, sometimes judges, rulers. Uh, but the men of the city, even all the way back to the ancient times, you know that Lot uh, was one of the prominent men of the city up by the city gates uh, that is where supposedly you should be able to get wisdom. But when we think of uh, gates as well, we also think of a point of entry, right? And in any endeavor in life, when we go to start something, we need wisdom. Remember the, remember the time you had your first child? Wasn't it good to get some wisdom in advance of that? We did the Lamaze classes. Only did them once. I thought it was a complete waste of time. I think we forgot everything once we got in the delivery room. But nevertheless, you know, we wanted every... My wife had like a stack of books that were recommended from other women and read this one and read this one. You know, by the second time you're second kid, you're tossing those things out, right? But still, you got, you got some good input. You get wisdom. You take your first job in life. You, you want wisdom. How, how do I be successful? Talk to someone that's you know, been there and done it and you know, has actually uh, been successful. But first things first, when it comes to God in our life, working through our lives, we need God's wisdom before we do anything, don't we? Before we do anything. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus makes it, he gives us this very simple, simple principle to live the rest of our life. Matthew 6.33, you know it. But seek ye first, here it is again, seek ye what? First the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. If you don't seek God first, you'll never be walking in wisdom. You might be walking in things that look like wisdom, feel like wisdom, at least for a time, but it won't be wisdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added. Get into the habit of even little things. It's something that uh, I've had to mature in um, even, even more I'd say even this year in 2016, 
after being saved since 1995, this year uh, that God has impressed upon me more times than I can think of in previous years, even to stop and pray over little things before I go forward. Just little stuff. And sometimes I look back and they're not so little. But just to stop and say, all right, hey, before we, before we proceed on this, before we talk about this, or before we look at the numbers, or before we, you know, in my case, take my 16-year-old driving, let's stop and pray. Whatever it is, get in the habit of stopping and praying. And what are we doing? Well, we're acknowledging that God, that Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. We're acknowledging that we really do need his help. You know I pray before every Bible study, and I don't do that just out of habit. I honestly, with all my heart, know that I, I am sincerely asking God's help and presence because I'll never take for granted that his word and saying in the pulpit is something that is to be taken very serious. And I need his wisdom to teach. You need his wisdom to hear. We all need his wisdom to apply. And so we have to get in the habit of just praying for anything. We have a decision to make in life, you know? When an appliance breaks down, you might say, well, we, you know, we, we just got to go buy a new one. Got to Lowe's, finance it, 600 bucks. Let's just get another one. And God may have, it might be something simple, right? Just stop and pray. Might be something stuck in there and it doesn't even need to be replaced. I've, I've had to learn a lot of that lately. Just kind of stop and pray about these things. Um, there was a mission, uh, I can't remember who I was talking to, it was a couple of years back. I was talking to uh, another brother in Christ from another church, uh, another Calvary chapel, and they had taken a mission team I, um, down to somewhere, I, I was either South or Central America, I'm pretty sure. And while they were down there, um, a bunch of people on the team got sick. This is not a great way to recruit people to mission trips. But anyway, a bunch of people got sick. But the, uh, he said, you know, it's the weirdest thing. We had a group of like 15, and... The only people, he said, kind of looking back, he realized that there was a small group that stopped and prayed over every single meal. And they didn't get sick. And the other folks did not pray. They would just kind of grab the food, put it right in their mouth, you know, having a good time. But there was, Jesus had said that Jesus would stop and he would give thanks to the Father. Whatever Jesus does is a wise thing to do. Right? And I'll catch myself sometimes, ever since I heard that story, I will catch myself sometimes, I'll come in after a run, and I'll just grab, and there's times that I'll forget, I'll pour a bowl of cereal, and I'll stop and say, no one else is around, no one else to see it, I just stop and say, Lord, sorry, let me pray and say thanks. You ever, you ever just start eating before you, you even thought to pray? Or is that just me? But when I, but the Holy Spirit, ever since I was told that, Wisdom, anything that God brings to your remembrance that brings you back to talking to God is always from the Lord. Because God would never say, ah, you, you, don't need to, you don't need to thank for that. So I'll remember that. Because I don't wanna, really want to get sick eating Cheerios, you know. Even though, um, even though this, I mentioned this, this year we want to we wanna finish strong this year. We want to continue to walk in the Lord. You know, we need to already be praying individually, for your families, for this church. We already need to be praying for 2017, what God will do. Doors that he will open. That, that he'll give us doors that no man can shut. You know, shut doors that no man can open, that we can walk through those things. But uh, 
in everything. Seek the wisdom of God at the outset. Just don't go do our own thing, make our own plans. Remember, uh, Paul warns this. He says, you know, warnings those of you say, we're going to go to such and such a city, buy, sell, do this, do that. And he says, who are you? You don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. Why are you acting like you can actually plan, well, we're going to go do this, we're going to go do that. We can pray if the Lord wills, but we need to pray through those things. The wise thing to do is, is to pray, to plan, and to pray some more. You know, Warren Buffett, he's the second, third richest man in the world. He's not a Christian, but I, I like this quote from him. Um, I, he says, what the wise do in the beginning is what fools do in the end. What the wise do in the beginning is what fools do in the end. As, as Christians, the wisest thing we can do is at the entrance of anything. Hey, Lord, give me your direction. Give me your wisdom. Give me your understanding. Now, we looked at her position in verses 1 and 3, wisdom's position. How about uh, wisdom's plea? Wisdom's plea, starting in, verses, uh, starting in verse 4. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools be of an understanding heart. Her plea. Now, the first, it says to the sons of men. Now, we could also say to the daughters of men. This is actually mankind as a whole. It's not uh, just, just the men, but uh, all of us as human beings. Uh, the first plea is to the entire world. Everyone. Who doesn't need wisdom? Who doesn't need understanding? Who doesn't need direction? Um, you ever been misled by these mapping software things? Garmin or, you know, it, it, they were worse a few years back. Um, I remember when I used to travel a lot, uh, I, I had like a 70% trust factor. So you were always kind of guessing, what if this east was supposed to be wet? And I had, anyone ever had these, like literally the exact wrong way? I mean, it could send you 10 miles the opposite direction because some car riding around for Google or someone with, you know, you've seen these cars riding around, actually got the wrong street name or something like that and sends you the complete wrong direction. Uh, If you put blind faith in those mapping things, you will get well, you will get uh, disoriented at least once. You will be misled at least once. It just happens. But not with God, right? There's never a time that he, whoops, did I say north? I meant south. And never mislead us. We all need wisdom. God uh, so loves the world. He, everyone he wants to give the right information to. It's not, uh, it's not playing games. He doesn't make mistakes. The whole world needs the wisdom of God. The whole world, now remember if this is the church speaking, the whole world needs the gospel. The whole world needs the gospel. Again, the whole world doesn't need religion. I believe our two presidential candidates are religious. I don't see any fruit of being born again. Religious. The whole world doesn't need religion. The world already has religion has had religion for thousands of years. America doesn't need more religion. It needs the gospel. 
needs people to come to Christ. Jesus didn't say, come to me, all of you who need knowledge. No. You, you need eternal life. All you need thirst. So the wise thing that we are called out to the sons of men, the thing we are called out to the daughters of men, is that God so loved the world. You all need the wisest thing a person can respond to. I've said it many times at altar calls or whether they've gone and prayed in the prayer corner or prayed. I've said it. You've probably heard me. I say the wisest thing you could ever do is say yes to Jesus. The call to the world here is everyone needs the gospel. It's the wisest thing. If that's the wisest thing that anyone could respond to, it's the wisest thing that should be on our lips. What does the scripture say? How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the gospel of peace. We're supposed to have the gospel on our lips and also on our feet. You know, in Ephesians, it says our feet shod with the gospel of peace. In other words, everywhere you go, you bring the gospel because everywhere you go, everyone needs the gospel. The next, he speaks to the young. The whole world, to the young. Uh, also, uh, in verse 5, it's called the simple ones. The younger you are, uh, the more simple uh, your understanding of things is. Remember when your life was simple? My, daughter, my wife and I were talking about that. Uh, we were riding. To, I had both cars in the shop this week. That was fun. Uh, so they were both in the shop this week. And we were riding to pick one of them. I said, remember when life was simple like, like this? I said, when life was simple like I was, my big thing when I was like 18 is, who can work the second half of my double? You ever worked in restaurants and stuff? You get a double shift? That was what I thought was a big problem. Who could work the second half because there's a really cool thing happening tonight and I want to be there? That was like, that was the real complexity of things. And you, you actually, hit, uh, your bills were like two things, right? You had your rent and your car, right? And your tax form was like one page and you got back 50 bucks or something like that and you thought it was awesome. When life was simple and to the young they are more simple because they can't handle yet all the things that come later, the things that come with the complexities of life. But sadly, a lot of young people think they know everything. The worst combination. A, you don't know a lot, and they think they know everything. The immature, the simple, the inexperienced. You ever watch America's Funniest Home Videos? Middle and high school boys dominate the show, by the way. I have three girls, so I tell them there's not a dumber individual on planet Earth than the middle school boy. Sorry if you have middle school boys. But I, tell, I say, you know, because I, I was once. I'm, I'm picking on myself, too. I'm like, I'm like, girls, just wait till they get about 30, you know? Then they'll finally get, I said, but, you know, when you see them take a skateboard off the top of the house, here's what's in their mind. I was there. They're thinking, how cool will all my friends think I am? They're not thinking broken leg. They're not thinking mom and dad's insurance. They're not thinking money out of the bank. They're simply thinking, how cool will this small circle, and now to make it worse, they've got YouTube and social media. So now they're thinking, the whole world can see me pull this off. And then their face goes into the mailbox or something like that, and they don't win anything. Those are the ones that never win the video either, by the way. The one that wins, you're like, what? That's not even funny. You know, but... So you all know that too, right? 
So they get nothing out of it. Uh, later on, like me, uh, some of them, you, know, you get neck surgery. And say, you must have done some really dumb things when you were young. Yes, I did. You know, I took bets. I took dares. All these kind of things. The immature. Listen to wise counsel from those that are mature in the Lord. If you, the reason why, if you are the most mature believer you're friends with, I mean truly friends with, you need to reexamine who do you have in your life. I have men in my life that are a lot more mature in the Lord than I am. I seek them out. I get to them. You know, George didn't introduce himself to me. I went and introduced myself to Pastor Jorge. He's been around longer than I. His kids are in their 20s. My kids are in the teens. I, I look for men, I, and, and men should look for men. Women should look for women. Everything. My best friend's a woman. No, no, no. If you're a dude, that should never be said, right? One of my mentors is she is, what? I've heard people say these things sometimes. You can say that in the business world, and the unsaved, but the Christian, men to men, women to men, but find people in your life that are mature, that can, that can speak wisdom into your life, that can speak into your life, that can see things, and they will gently, they'll actually gently drop hints to you. And if you're teachable, you'll actually, gently, you'll actually wisely receive those. Listen to the wise counsel. Those that have won battles already. Those that have actually fought the good fight. Those that have gone before. They're the cloud of witnesses that are still with us, not just the ones that have gone before. We do want to learn from the Apostle Paul and Joshua and Moses and all the people that have gone before us, but also there's a lot of wisdom in those that have walked and been faithful to the Lord right now. And you can't just get that listening to people on the radio. You just can't get that reading book. You have to be in contact that's why discipleship is iron sharpening iron. can't be just radio waves or things you're reading on Twitter feeds or whatever. You have to uh, get wisdom from those that are mature. But to the immature, you know, if they're not getting wise counsel from those that have gone before, then they're going to make their own foolish decisions. I would never want my daughters just making their own decisions in a vacuum. We're constantly talking. About, and, and, you know, as, as your kids get older, and those of you that have kids that are now grown and have kids, and some of you even have grandkids, you know that your, your discussions of wisdom become age-appropriate as they age, right? That you introduce new topics to them that, because it's going to be important. You're not sitting there talking to your two-year-old about money management, right? You're not speaking to your four-year-old about sexual impurity, although the... Public schools would like to do that to your four-year-old. That's, that's a whole different problem. But we know when to introduce because God gives us wisdom because the immature, the young, someone has to call out to them. You know, we had uh, uh, Halloween on Monday. We had all kinds of kids that were hot. By the way, when did high school kids start trick-or-treating again? Um, and I wasn't the only one that noticed this. I had other pastors uh, that, that were commenting on Facebook or uh, even adults now are trick-or-treat. It's like something has really gone wrong. But um, high school kids and stuff, but, you know, and the only thing I can think of is there's no one guiding them. There's no one telling, hey, you're too old for this. You're, you're 19. You can't be knocking on doors. Graduate already or do something. The immature, the young. Lastly, certainly this, this last group, can be found in, in, in number two as well, and in number one, because, uh, but they're all itemized here. 
To the simple ones, understand prudence. You fools, be of an understanding heart. Um, the foolish, those that are misled. You know, young people have somewhat of an excuse. They're young and inexperienced, or no one has guided them. But the older you get, the less excuses you have because uh, you learn some things, and if you continue to do things obstinate of the will of God, then we have no one to blame but ourselves. Um, you know, Jacob, when he was a young man, he wasn't, he wasn't the most honest man, was he? Right? He's always trying to, he's always trying to finagle a deal, and, and, and God had him all kind of um, go sour on him. Eventually, God got a hold of him. And later on, you know, he was able, by the end of his life, he was really able to you know, bless each of, the, each of his sons. But when he was a younger man, very foolish at times. But for the unsaved world, the foolishness, uh, if the wisest thing we can do is to be saved and to come to Christ, uh, for the unsaved world, uh, they're blinded. They're misled. Uh, many people think that, uh, well, there is, there's, no, there's no hell after, after this. We just cease to exist. Well, God says there is a hell. So either you're right or God's right. And to be very foolish to think, well, I, I don't think God knows what he's talking about. Eventually, uh, we're all going to die. So it's the wisest thing to do. How is it that you've, you meet people that, that are so wise with their money, and they've got it all mapped out? They've got a beach house. They've got a lake house. They've got the city house. They've got the country house. They've done it everything. E.F. Hutton was listening to them, Right? Smith, Barney, and everything else. They've got it all figured out, except they have no idea where they're going to spend eternity. Look at how foolish that is. You could have all that understanding of worldly knowledge, how to uh, amass things. I mean, Jesus tells the parable of the rich man. He said, you fool, tonight your soul is required of you. Remember, he, he, was, he was going to tear down these barns so he could build bigger barns. Because he's like, I've maxed out the 401k. I've maxed out everything. I need to put more away. And God says, but you're not even going to get to enjoy any of it. You know, even uh, just recently, I've seen a couple of people, that, uh, um, young people in their uh, early 50s, mid 50s, pass away suddenly uh, that were friends of friends of mine that, uh, that I just got notified. Hey, did you know so-and-so passed? And, and no one expects no one expects that to happen to them. But to be misled into thinking that uh, life is all about just enjoying as much as I can. No, no, Jesus came to set us free from our selfish desire to actually turn and serve the true and living God. That's the wisest thing we could ever do. And some would say, well, when you ever have people say, you ever have people say this to you? Well, I have intellectual problems with the Bible. Don't believe him. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's what the Bible says. It's not that people have an intellectual problem with the Bible. They have self-deceived themselves. Self-deceived. They have a sin problem that makes them foolishly believe their own wants and desires rather than what the Scripture says. The Bible says he's put a conscience in every man. that We, ne- we actually really do know right from wrong, don't we? We suppress the conscience. 
but to the whole world. It says here, be of an understanding heart. Soften your heart. Listen to the Lord. Next thing. Or purity. Let's read a couple more verses. Let's see what we're looking at in time. I might, I might hold this off. I stop there. We'll read the passages, and then we'll just uh, we'll see what we got here. Let's take a look at verses six through nine. Uh, Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things, and from my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands, all right to those who have knowledge. What a beautiful passage there. That would, uh, don't you want that to be your, your heart and what comes out of your lips? I'll speak of excellent things. The Bible says whatever things are lovely and a good report true and noble, you know, that, that our, our words, uh, one verse that really strikes me in the New Testament, it says that we're supposed to speak as the oracles of God. What a heavy, heavy, high bar that is, right? Now, the only way we can speak as the oracles of God is that if we have the mind of Jesus Christ, and the only way you get the mind of Jesus Christ is first being born again, but th- it doesn't stop there. We can't just be born again. We have to have our walk continually purified. Romans chapter 12, um, verse 1. You, I'm sure you know this passage. But what does it say? And I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. All right, so to actually have a mouth that speaks purity speaks excellent things, goes on, uh, just gives us uh, you know, how this is done. And do not be conformed to this world. Well, the world is clearly portrayed uh, in the kind of opposite characteristics uh, in verses 6 through 9. I will speak of excellent things, but it says in verse 7, wickedness is an abomination in my mouth, so the world is full of wickedness. Uh, all the words of, my ma- words of my mouth are with righteousness, uh, latter half, verse 8, nothing crooked or perverse in them. The world is full of crooked, full of perverse. Uh, but uh, it goes on in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Renewal is a constant thing that needs to take place in the life of a believer. We have to be living sacrifices. You know, it's, I, I didn't coin it. I'm sure you've heard it. The problem with living sacrifices is they tend to get off the altar, right? But if we stay on the altar, we stay yielded, God renews us, but not just renews us like, it's not just renews us like this. It's kind of the way the prophecy works, too. He renews us in this, this way. Wisdom, the height of it, we actually grow. We actually take new steps of faith. We actually become more mature. We don't become holy like God, but we become more like the Lord. I mean, we'll never be perfect like him, but we actually, when, when we're renewed, we actually are maturing. You know, Moses, by the time he reached 120, 
was a more mature godly leader than when he was called at 80. Would you guys agree with that? Paul, at the end of his life, he had finished his race, he finished. There was more excellence coming out of his mouth. There was more purity coming out of his mouth. He could speak to things and not have, you know, not be bitter in his language. You know? One of the the main problems we see, and I'll bring it to a close, when we look at our society today, and you see how much hatred and bitterness. I look at all that's going on in our country, and I look at it, I try and look at it through the lens of the Lord. Not through the lens of politics, not through the lens of Republican and Democrat, not through the lens of uh, black or white or Hispanic or anything else. I try and look at it, what does God see? And I tell you, you want to learn about where our country is? Just, if you don't have Facebook, you don't have Twitter, just read the comment fields on articles and stuff. You will see so much anger and bitterness and hatred and you know, all of this stuff because excellent things aren't coming out of people's mouths. All kinds of vile things are coming out of people's mouths. We, though, and I'll talk more about this Sunday, what our citizenship be in heaven. We, though, are called to speak truth, to speak those things which are pure, which those things that are lovely. I love verse 9. They are all plain to him who understands. Do you understand who our enemy is? Your enemy is not your neighbor. Your enemy is Satan. Your enemy is not even in the Middle East in radical Islam. Although, yes, Satan uses that. But the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We have to understand the things from God's perspective. And write to those who have knowledge. Once we have the knowledge of God, we actually can discern what's right and what's almost right. I can't remember which one of the... uh, might have been Spurgeon, but one of them said that. That um, wisdom isn't knowing right from wrong. It's right from almost right. Boy, isn't that a problem today? That many people can't tell right from almost right. Almost right is wrong. And will lead us down a wrong path. We need right. We need to understand what is right. We need to understand uh, what it is the Lord would place on our lips. And I've got other things that we'll look at. I'm not even going to get into bullet points. I'll pick it up when we get back together. But I'm going to I'm going to stop there. We'll do a part two uh, on this, and we'll actually part two will take us up through verse 21. But read ahead. Um, you can read the whole chapter of verse eight. Uh, what we'll look at at part two is through verse 21. Uh, next Wednesday, we won't be in Proverbs because Tuan and the team will be leading us in a night uh, of worship. So um, we'll be doing that next Wednesday. Let me close in prayer, and I'll give you uh, a couple of details on that, and then uh, we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you that if any man lacks wisdom, you said to ask of you, and you would give liberally. And Lord, we know that the wisdom you give doesn't just give us understanding, Lord, but it gives us joy, gives us peace. It makes us more loving, makes us more forgiving, makes us more accessible, makes us more approachable. It makes us more like Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would give us more wisdom to walk in this world. It gets harder and harder, Lord, uh, to walk in the days in which we live. But Lord, if Daniel could do it, Paul could do it. 
Abraham could do it, Lord, we certainly can as well. And so we pray, Lord, that you would renew us, refresh us. Lord, we'd be living sacrifices and that, uh, Lord, your, your words, your heart would flow through us to those that you've given us responsibility with, our families, but also those that we come in contact with in life in the community. Lord, uh, we thank you for this time and your word. May we indeed mature and grow in it. In your name we pray. Amen. So, hey, next, um, next Wednesday we'll be um, having a night of worship here. I hope you'll come. Uh, we'll have some prayer mixed in, but it'll be mostly a worship night, mostly a time of, uh, of just um, worshiping the Lord. And we're going to worship the Lord no matter what happens on Tuesday. Because your job and my job does not change one bit. You're still called to be a light in a dark world. That's, that's all we're called to do. Um, and, but I think I hope you'll I hope you'll be here Sunday. I'm really looking forward to sharing the message that God's given me from Mark chapter one. Um, uh, you've heard volumes and volumes and thousands upon thousands of information pieces over the last four years about our country and the election and everything else. I want to give you what Jesus said, and just I hope it uh, centers us um, and encourages us. And I at first I didn't want to. The Lord, do you want me to preach that? You want me to stay in Galatians? But he gave me a lot of confirmation, I believe, uh, to share it. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. And like I said, I think you'll be all encouraged and strengthened. Um, I have one question about Tuesday, though, with the the election. 